Hello, welcome to American Fidiots, Season 1, Episode 7. I am your host, Josh Mariana, joined as always by my best friend, Jim Norella. What's up, buddy? Hola, hermano. Ooh, oh, nice. Yeah, I was really worried about you that. You practiced that all the way over. I did, the whole way. <laughs> and my beautiful wife, Erin. Hi, hey, babe. Hi. How you doing? Good, how are you? Happy Monday. Yeah, I don't speak Spanish, so... At all? Not as fluently not, as I do. No, yeah. not really. So if you couldn't tell, we had the Mexican GP yesterday, and uh, it was a fun race for sure. We had a lot of action early in the race. Uh, we're going to get to that, but we thought we'd start today's episode off with our F1 for Idiots segment. Uh, no offense, we don't mean to call you idiots. It's just an easy way to come up with a segment name. Yeah. <laughs> and if you are an idiot, then it'll just kind of be what you're used to hearing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an idiot. So this will be for you, babe. Yeah. There thanks. you go. Anyway, hey, so. Before you go. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty happy that I'm still on the best level after oh, that's yeah, a couple right. weeks ago right. when I forgot the anniversary, so. I was sweating that more than the Hermano comment. I mean, it's been so many years. We really don't expect anyone else to remember this. We can barely remember it ourselves. I mean, we didn't even buy each other cards or presents. That's true. So, true story. There's always next year. Yeah. Meh. Or not. Or not. (laughs) It was simple. It was nice not having to worry about it. (laughs) Yeah, I liked it. Anyway, so this week on our F1 for Idiots segment, we thought we'd talk a little bit about tires, which is something we've talked about uh, in another episode, but we talked then about pit stops and kind of the requirements for pit stops. And um, this week, we, we thought we'd touch on the different tire compounds. So if you don't know, Pirelli is the tire manufacturer for Formula One, and every year they decide on five tire compounds that can be used throughout the season. Each race week, they then decide on a set of three of those compounds out of the five, and they're always sequential. So it's like one, two, and three, two, three, and four, or three, four, and five. And the lower the numbers, the softer the compound, and then you go all the way up through to the to the fifth compound, which is the hardest. Um, the nice idea job. is was that good? That was Did perfect. I mess that up at all? No, that, no, that was, was really that good. Was <laughs> and the idea is the softer tires provide more grip and technically should be faster because they can go quicker around corners Uh, and the harder tires should last longer so that's that's kind of the general trade-off there are other intricacies involved but um, in general that's what they're looking at and we saw in austin we saw most people were on a two pit stop strategy or in some people were on a three stop strategy which made the race super interesting yeah it mixes everything up when you have those multiple pit stops and you just so many things can go wrong when a car comes in for service. It's just, uh, it, you know, it, and we had the undercut was pretty powerful. Um, Crazy where, powerful. Yeah, where you could stop before your rival and come out on a, you know, so much heavier or faster pace that, that you're going to be ahead of them. By the time they pit right. and get back out, you've already made up all that time and you can come out in front of them, right? right. And it's because the three tires that they chose were started out at the softest level is that right because i don't know this say that again this is new information for me the reason why they were pitting more at austin you're saying was because the tires were softer like well, the, they so the tires were in the were softer de- range the tires were degrading quicker so every yeah. track the the track surface itself varies from especially like you know you're going from like eastern europe 
to Texas and Mexico, you know, so even the environmental factors can have a difference, but it's, mm-hmm. it's really whatever material the track surface is made out of and, and how old the track surface is. And there are lots of factors that go into how quickly the tires degrade. Yeah. All the surfaces are different. You know, yeah. the, the abrasion, I guess, is, is different for every track. And so that's why that's how Pirelli determines which tire to use at each event. Now, in, in Austin, there was heavy tire degradation because the surface is rougher. Um, right. And in a lot of those turns, like the S turns, they carry so much speed that that also contributes to the tires breaking down earlier. So, yeah. And the team has all that, um, you know, technical data that they gather, like every lap of the race and, and every sector they know, like if the speeds are dropping off and they, they even have sensors to detect to try to determine how quickly the tires are falling off. Um, And then they have to make decisions based on that as to when to pit and which, which compound to put on. Um, And as you know, from the other episode, we talked about tires, they they have to pit at least once every race, and they have to use at least two different tire compounds at every race. So that's F1's way of saying you can't start the race on hards and just go all the way to the end. You have to pit at least once and use two different tire compounds. Yeah. Except in an, a wet condition, Unless which we wet. talked about last right. week. Right. I think it was Thank last yeah. or last episode or two episodes ago, or I think. something but, like that. Yeah. Um, you know, so it shows to me the fact that F1 has that rule shows that they understand, like, we have to have some sort of strategic, you know, there something be, in the race. There so, has to be something different between the cars. Yeah. Um, but as we've seen, we were talking before we started, you know, so many races, every team is starting out on the same compound. And so many races, they pit around the same time and go to the same compound for their second choice. And it's like it's you get this train situation. Yeah, there's really at that point, there's there's almost no difference between the strategies. Now, you do see some here and there that are different. And, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Austin was an awesome example of just the different strategies and how they played out. And it was it was exciting to watch. Now. Yesterday, uh, the Mexican Grand Prix, it was, you know, they all kind of stopped at the same time and the tires lasted about as long as they should. And there was very little action as far as uh, overtaking, at least that we were shown. Right. Yeah. And it, we feel like it could have been spiced up a little bit more had the, the strategies been different. Yeah. And even, you know, towards the end of the race, we saw Checo catching Lewis and yeah. he had fresher tires. So like, I know, Jim, you were skeptical that he was even going to catch him, and he did. Yeah. Um, and even though his tires, I think, were like 12 laps fresher at that point or yeah, something like, like that, 12, yep. he, he still couldn't. It didn't benefit him that much. I mean, he caught him. You can make an argument. But there was really there was no chance he was getting around. Lewis. Now, there are a lot of other factors there. It's not just about the tires. Yeah. Um, but I think our, our point is why the, the question for debate is. Why doesn't Pirelli just use the softest three compounds at every race and and just force the teams into more strategic thinking? You know, so the softest tires, the grippiest. And yeah, at some tracks, maybe it'll fall off more. OK, well, that's why there's two other compounds. You feel free to start on the hard, which is something we hardly ever see. You know, it's yeah, most of the, time, the back markers. They'll start on the hard sometimes yeah. and try to work their way up through the field. Just a, desperate yeah. for any kind of difference to try to yeah. get a point, yep. you know. But in general, the top four or five teams, you know, they're starting on the same compound and ending on the same compound. Yeah. I mean, unless somebody does something different and it never really like, usually turns out to not benefit them. And then we're saying that they're idiots. Why didn't they do what everybody else did? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and, and the reason we're saying that is just because you don't really have a choice. I guess that's the point. It's yeah. like if you don't do the the dominant strategy, you know, the odds of you making that work are so slim because there's so many other variables too. The, the thing that comes to my mind is, so these, these teams all have access to this just massive amount of data, mm-hmm. right? They know how long the tire is going to last and, and they are able to see as the laps tick off that, okay, we're losing a 10th where now we're losing three tenths. Now we're losing six. They all have that data. So even if, you know, even if team a is on the soft tire and team B is on the medium tire, mm-hmm. you know, they have a general idea of when they need to stop. Uh, so I guess my point is it, would a, a tire difference make a difference? You know what I mean? Yeah. Is it going to change the strategy or are they all going to end up finding the same strategy? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a good point for sure. Maybe, maybe nothing would change. It would just be a little bit different. You you know, the strategy, they would, everyone starts on a hard and then they go to a medium or something like that. The mix up would be, uh, you're forcing people to, to make multiple stops. You know, if the tire compounds are, uh, are softer and you know, therefore yeah. the tires don't last as long. Now we have to make two stops in order to get to the end of the race mm-hmm. without the tire falling apart. Yeah. So which it, throws another variable into it. Right. I mean, whether or not the pit stop goes smoothly or something happens, which is happening a lot, yeah. a lot. This and, season. And I, that's something that I actually enjoy too, because <clears throat> you know, it is like touted as a team sport, there's strategy and you've got the whole garage there it's like to me if you do one pit stop okay like as long as your average or above on your pit stop it's not a factor you know and all of those garages even williams and haas those are some of the best mechanics in the world oh yeah like maybe they're a tenth or two slower on average than the top teams but like you know and like you said we've seen 2.2 to 2.4 seconds per stop it seems like most cases and there's outliers of course but Mm -hmm. and like i know was it last year when Bottas's wheel nut stripped off and like yeah. it was just sat there? I was you in know. Monaca this year. Yeah, and uh, you know, so the, I I like all those different variables. If it is a team sport, those guys should be involved more. They should be forced to be more involved in terms of more pit stops and in that sort of thing. Yeah, and they they got rid of refueling a handful of years ago because it was unsafe. You know, you have all, all that fuel. It was just under a high pressure. It yeah. was leading to fires, and mm-hmm. that, I'm okay with them getting rid of the fueling, but that took a variable out you know they used to send the cars out there with the lowest amount of fuel possible because it adds weight right right and in f1 you know weight is everything you want to be light so you got rid of the refueling aspect of it and now it almost is like they got rid of the tire aspect of it too in a lot of ways yeah, yeah. in a lot of ways and it's kind of a bummer from a fan perspective where you know we want to see different strategies it's exciting to see the team's try to figure it out and, and, and outwit each other and do different things. Yeah. yeah. And we just don't get that as much as we would like. And yeah. uh, just something else that popped in my brain, like, you know, these teams prepare so much in preseason testing and all of that. And I feel like the, the car development and setup itself in a lot of ways is determined by what their knowledge is of the tires. And so I feel like if it was like, listen, here's your three tires, this is it. Then it gives the teams a different, um, it can give them a different approach to how they set the car up, knowing like this is these are our choices. So how can we set up our car for an advantage to start on softs or to start on hard? You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's a good point. It's not just about each race. It's like at the beginning of the season they don't, you know. And I, I'm not that knowledgeable on. It. I don't know how early in advance Pirelli it, like lets them know which compounds they're going to use. I assume it's like a couple weeks before each Grand Prix because yeah, conditions see, can change. It, it doesn't pop up very often, but you'll see it on uh, you know on the F1 site 
they'll say Pirelli have announced the tire compounds for like these four races. Yeah. But it, like you said, it's a few weeks or, you know, a couple months ahead. And they're at so, another GP. So yeah, like there, there's yeah. not really, t- even with two weeks in between, there's not really time to do a whole lot of changes. But I guess my point is it would create another element of strategy like before the season even begins as to how they're, they're you know, building the car, developing the car and setting it up and stuff. Yeah, it could. It probably would. Yeah. Or they would just look at those three and, and have plans A through X on, yeah. on what to do and yeah. when to do it. Yeah. And here's our three tires. We know what they are. So I, I guess you could argue that it would be less strategic. I don't know. Yeah. If they know what's coming and they know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. All that I think of is every single time they come in for a tire change, I hear like cha-ching, cha-ching. Like, because <laughs> yeah. I just think about All like, oh my gosh, if we had to like change our tires that often, how horrible that would be. I thought the same thing. Like they drive like forty miles and then the tires ruined. <laughs> yeah, where they'll they'll go out and they'll flat spot them right away. Yeah, they yeah. Come in for new ones, <laughs> or like especially in practice, like oh goodness, they because like Fettel, I know he flat spotted hard a pair of mediums, and I was like. Oh man, like those tires are ruined. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He didn't even get halfway around the circuit one time. <laughs> yeah, but, they're not and, cheap, that's for sure. And I know, you know, Pirelli does a ton of analysis and testing in the off season and actually during the season too. Yeah, they do. Um Pirelli has arrangements with almost all the teams. Um so they have testing tires and they'll go to like where the teams um home circuits are. They have like test tracks. Yeah. Um and Pirelli will go there to test like tire ideas for next year. Like right now I know they're testing was it the eighteen inch wheel? Like there's a there's a difference in the dimensions for next year. Yeah, and, so and it's a low profile tire. Yeah, so and I think they're changing the hub a little bit. So like they'll have the they'll even have the mechanics there. Sometimes they'll do pit changes to see how the hub is working and all of that. Um, and just as a sort of segue here, cause I know we want to touch on some things with Williams a little bit, but Williams for some reason is the only car in formula one that isn't set up to test tires from Pirelli throughout the season. So every, every F1 team, except Williams at some point test tires, which is free data for the teams, yeah, they free experience it. for the drivers yeah. to get an idea of how next year's tire might work. Yeah. Um, so I, I find that like unbelievable. Yeah. I don't get it. It, it just... It upsets me to see a team like Williams just not be prepared for for something so crucial as track time and testing common. time. Like it's so common. Yeah, everybody Everyone does, does it. it. Yep. And then you had sent us a, a website or not? I'm sorry. It was a it was a news article. Yeah, right? on F1.com. Oh, it was from them. Yeah, it was it was on the it's official about page. I, I think so, or maybe it was WTF one. I'm not sure. Okay. But yeah, they Shout they out. were saying that Williams didn't develop a test car. Um, so if, if you're not aware, we've touched on it a little bit in some of the other episodes, but next year, um, the formula is going to be completely changed. The car is going to be completely different, um, in an effort to make following and overtaking a little bit more, um, easy for the guys. Yeah. Um, so they're bringing back ground effect. And if you do a quick Google search, you can find out all about that. Maybe we'll touch on that probably in the off season. We'll do like a, you know, some sort yeah, of season special or something. something. Um, but so all of the teams have a test car that they're developing um, for next year. Yeah. yeah within the specs for next year yeah. so that they can start testing now. Yep. And Williams just flat out didn't make one. So yeah. that's that bothers me a lot. And I'm sure it's a budgetary issue. Oh, absolutely. It's it has to do with money because those cars, it's not like they're free, you know. And I think, I mean, you may want to get the timer out because I may have to 
rant about oh jim needs a rant oh a one lap rant because the more i think about it the more upset it makes me what do you want mexican gp time yeah that's fine what was the what was the qualifying time one fifteen eight ready toss one fifteen eight oh we're going i'm I'm ready if you are lights out way we go one fifteen eight go all right so we're talking about williams right yeah and i know for some of the newer fans you think well it's just williams but that's wrong because Williams to me is they are a part of the sport as much as Ferrari. Yeah. Ferrari's been around since the beginning. The history of it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And then you, you know McLaren showed up in like the mid 60s. Williams showed up in like the mid 70s and they've been those three teams have been a part of F1 f- since then. And you know we're not talking about like a flash in the pan here. You could you can kind of argue that okay Red Bull and Mercedes have almost just shown up. You know they've taken mm-hmm. over for old teams. But the names are changed. Yeah. Ferrari, Williams, McLaren, they are like a, a part of the sport. So yeah. we're not talking about some fly-by-night operation. Yeah, they're like the OG. Yeah, Williams, it's unacceptable to me that they don't have anything ready for next year. I mean, I'm sure they do. But it just makes no sense to me that – and obviously it's about money. I get that. But it's not like you can just find money laying around. But, dude, you're Williams. Go out there. Get uh, get some money. I don't care where you get it from. Yeah. Get some some sponsor to say, okay, yeah, here's the little bit more that you need so that you can get a car going for 2022. Because right now they're screwed. What are they going to do? That's your lap. And Is I it? think, okay. hey, that was a, that was a perfectly hey, timed lap. That was well, perfect. That put me on pole. And I know just to uh, just, because Williams was a family owned team, right? Right. Yeah, and and last year sold, they yeah. they sold. Yeah. So they're. Claire Williams was running it just up until this season. I she, mean, right? I mean, I yeah, guess in May. Year, she ran it for I think one one year. She was like officially the CEO or whatever, um, but she was yeah. involved heavily involved with management for sure. It's yeah. management. Yeah. But I'm I'm just wondering if the timing of all of it was so poor for them because is that a pun that they're poor <laughs> See, I, don't I mean they... it was bad timing because they you know when you have a, a takeover of a team like that they they now have to go out and try to get sponsorships without the benefit of claire williams and what, what frank, was frank, frank it, you know without their that sort of um lineage still involved with the team which yeah, i know that they are staying involved um from what i read but you know so now they have one of the slowest cars on the grid with not very good drivers, especially now that they're losing Russell, you know, so like, how do you sell that to an advertiser? You know, how do you get yeah, sponsors to pay been, for a testing car? You know what I mean? You, like, you got to have results. I get it, but they've been improving. Yeah. You know? They have a solid P8 this year that they're probably not going to lose because I yeah. don't see Alfa Romeo overtaking them in constructors. And they're not going to catch, I think it's Alfa Tari who's right ahead of them. Or maybe it's Alpine. Either way, they're not going to catch P7. Yeah, it's too much so, of a gap. Right. So P8, going from last year when they were dead last, True. Well, tied with Haas for dead last. True. You know, that's a big improvement, and it's a big monetary improvement. So I, I, your point is but correct. And then who's not, taking Russell's seat? Do we know that? For, uh, for Williams. Oh, Albon. Alex Albon. Albon. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so again, you're losing Russell. Where would they be? So I guess my point is, if Albon drove for them this year, and I think Albon's talented, but he he, he buckled completely when he was with Red Bull. I mean, it, the guy just crumpled. Right. And so if Albon drove for them this year, do you think they'd be P eight? Uh, that's a good question. without Russell, yeah. would they be P eight? Probably not. Probably no. not. Qualifies so strong. Yeah. That no. Usually exactly. puts him in a position where he can you know scrape one maintain. Or two points. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So without him. 
No, that's a great point. You know, and they're losing him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and Albon is is like when he came into Red Bull, it was like, oh, this guy was an F two champion. He won the drivers' champion F two. Like he's yeah. young and all this talent, and he was yeah. likable. And yeah, you know, they told his whole family story, and like this is perfect. And then the guy just failed. I mean, he just could not handle the pressure. And maybe that was just well. I mean, we've talked about this in previous episodes, too, though. He was second seat to Max Max. Verstappen, which everybody has struggled with. Even Sergio Perez struggled with that this season until just recently. Until he started asserting himself and making setup changes. So you have to give Albon at least kind of that benefit of that that knowledge. in In a conversational way, I agree with you. We're money talks like that. You know, if you're a big sponsor and you've got nine other teams that you can also choose to spend your advertising dollars on, do they care that, oh, well, Albon was second seat to Max? And, uh, you know, like I if it was me, I think they probably don't. Yeah. I mean, you you have a point for sure. Um, But I just I wonder about all of those sort of behind the scenes details in terms of the finances. Cause I mean, the bottom line is if the money's not there, the money's not there. Yeah. And I, I realized, you know, my point earlier was a little bit ignorant because I, I know that the money just doesn't fall your way. You have to go out and, I mean, you see Zach Brown do it all the time. He's out there just like fighting for every dollar. Well, that's how yeah. he became and CEO think, of McLaren. Uh, he was, yeah. he wanted to be a driver. We should do a, we should do a Zach Brown special eventually. Cause right. his story is cool. It Maybe is, he'll yeah. come on the show. <laughs> I, you know what? I bet you if there's some way we could contact him, I bet you he would. He might. You know, I mean, yeah. American guy, like he would love that. Yeah. I'll text him. But anyway, I like he, he, the reason he became CEO was because he could sell sponsorships. Yeah. That's he found his niche. He wanted to be a driver and it just didn't work out. But he, he was able to get sponsors, even though he wasn't very fast. He had sponsors lined up. And so then he was like, wait a he minute, I'm good at this. At yeah. yeah. And so it, it, he knows better than anyone how it works. Was it? It was last season, right, on Drive to Survive when um, Steiner, Gunther yeah. Steiner, had to go out. There was a whole episode where yeah. he was, like, chasing money. Yeah. And yeah. it was basically he had to go to a German company and say, yes, we'll sign Mick Schumacher, who's German. And that was, like, the, the way that kind of yeah. get the money to them. So you figure like Williams, okay, you got to get out there and do something like that. And I'm sure they're trying. Yeah. You know, I'm sure they're not just sitting on their hands saying, oh, you know, sorry, we don't have a car yet. I mean, yeah. I I'm sure they're not. trying. Well, and there again, the w- Williams is a British team, British owned team, and they just yeah. lost Russell, well, now, who's a British driver. Actually, I know Albon's British too, but I think he emigrated there, didn't he? Who, With Albon? his family. Yeah. He's, I know they, I they live know. in London, he's, I think. He's Thai. Um, I know, but they oh, live. Okay. They live in London. Oh well, I think everybody lives in London. But my point is, like, London, <laughs> London. So, like, you know, well, and no, here's the. Th- I didn't mean to yeah, cut you ahead. off, but they are. They got bought by that Doralton group or whatever, and they're American. Yeah. So, you know, that maybe that's another obstacle. I don't know. Yeah. Well, regardless, it is disappointing to see Williams continue to be sort of uncompetitive, and and it's. On the surface, it seems like they're not even really trying. Whatever the reason is, you know, they're just not able to put forth much of an effort. Um, hopefully, they can find some success next year and work their way up to the midfield and maybe gain some more sponsorships, and, yeah. and maybe they'll see a resurgence. I don't know. It almost feels like the the change in formula is going to hurt them, not yeah. just because of the recent news, but I feel like a team that's constantly getting better just a little bit each week is going to be harmed by next year. Yeah. Like, and Williams and, and maybe probably even McLaren and Ferrari are like good examples yeah. of teams that have worked their way through the problems that they've had the last few years. And now all of that's kind of just gone. Well, and like the argument can be made for Red Bull too, because they finally have a car that's a tad faster in right. most tracks. And like now it all starts over. We talked, right. I think we talked a little bit about that in the one episode, yeah, which is did. fine, but 
um yeah i i I get your point for sure it's like they're they're finally figuring some things out and now they got to start from scratch with a little small budget yep gotta keep it fresh change it up yeah ultimately i don't care because i want to see the cars changed (laughs) i mean as a as a red bull fan you know makes me nervous but you ferrari and mclaren fans you know well and ferrari and mclaren are teams that don't have any issues attracting sponsors so you would hope that their preparations for the changes in their development should be on par with red bull and mercedes you would you would hope yeah i would expect it and i know ferrari just recently had their they had a little bit of a release press release saying that they've almost fully looked ahead to next year. Right. They're, you know, like they're almost, almost ready. Yeah. Cause yeah. they did, I guess some recent engine improvements for this year and it kind of sounded like that was going to be it. And it looks like that worked. Yeah. Cause you know, now they're P3. That's right, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a disappointment for, for you, me. for some, <laughs> yeah. not for others. Yeah. So why don't we touch real, real quick. Let's talk about the, the race yesterday. Yeah. So Bottas ended up getting pole, and Lewis ended up in P2 for the start of the race, um, which was surprising. Red Bull kind of crapped the bed a little bit in Q3. Yeah, Yeah, that was a disaster for them. That was disappointing. It made me real nervous for the start of the race yesterday with the Red Bulls being on the second line. Yeah, and um, so what what happened was Bottas and Lewis got an okay start. Max got a real good jump off the line. And uh, there's a long, straight runaway run-up to the first turn. Yeah, very long. Um, and Max tucked himself in right behind Bottas and popped out at the last minute, and he was able to break late. Valtteri Bottas, for some reason, we've been talking about this, like he hit the brakes seemingly way too, yeah, early, way too early, caused a little bit of a backup. Daniel Ricciardo got affected by that. Um, and there was some jostling and some bumping, and, and Max just took the racing line break late and just pulled out in front and was able to, yeah, to stay there back. the whole race. It was brilliant driving. Yeah, <laughs> if you do say so yourself. <laughs> yeah, it was Textbook definitely exciting. to quote Christian Horner. Hey, Christian. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> um, and then from there, you know, it was a little bit of, like we talked about the tires, you know, there was no real difference in strategies. We didn't see a whole lot of action after that. Um, and it, it was a fun race to watch. You know, I don't, I don't feel like we were bored. Do you? No, I wasn't bored. No, I don't, I don't think so either. Only, Just, only in, in the shadow of Austin where we had so many yeah. pit stops and different strategies. I think the, you know, the atmosphere was very similar to Austin where the crowd was super into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very supportive, especially of Checo, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But I, I feel like that was a huge part of of why it wasn't boring because yeah. the crowd was just so into it. You could even hear him on the broadcast. You know, yeah. every time Checo came through the stadium section, they were on their feet. And he said so, in the post-race interview, um, Sergio said he could hear them even through his helmet and above right. the engine. He was like, I, you know, I, I made him feel so, you know, I guess hyped up or whatever. He was like, every time I came through, I could hear them. And it was so encouraging. I think no one was screaming as loud as his dad though. How oh cute gosh. was that? That was hilarious. He's, He's awesome. Up. Yep. How hungover do you think he is today? I Scale mean, of one were, to twelve. <laughs> Papa I mean, Paris. <laughs> Sergio wasn't even out of the car yet, and he's already talking about tequila. tequila so ready, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> um, and it was interesting too. Lewis really struggled with pace, and after Q three, the you know even the commentators were like this whole thing with Mercedes sandbagging all the way up to the last minute. Um, but they didn't have the pace. Mercedes did not have the pace. Lewis could not catch Max, and he. Yeah. The whole race on the radio, you know, like Jim and I, Jim was teasing us because they, 
they like to cut up the team radio that they play for us to yeah, kind of hype the drama. The um, but Lou said multiple times they're they're too quick. They're too quick. Yeah, know? and he was right. You could see that in the interval. And yeah. Max just kept pulling away further and further. Yeah. And I then, mean, he held off Sergio, but... Yep. Yeah, Sergio, towards the end of the race, started making a, a, a charge. Yeah. And he was able to catch Lewis. He was able to get within that one-second period to get DRS. Um, but like we've seen so much for the past few years, there was just, he just started overheating and there was no way for him to overtake. Um, so I guess Lewis benefited there a little bit. Yeah. And then they caught up yeah. with some of that lap traffic that we touched on a couple weeks ago. Yeah. That which also had an impact. Factor. It, yep. it was difficult for those guys to get around the lap traffic. And I felt like at that point, you know, those two or three laps go by and then all of a sudden there's just no time. There's left. nothing left. You know, there's, yeah. I think Sergio had like one last push on it was the very last lap. You know, he was like half a second behind. Yeah, he was made that little just, dive move. Yeah, and it just was never gonna happen. There was no room there. No yeah. time. Yeah. The one DRS zone was his chance really. It was longer yep. zone yeah. than the, the second one. Couldn't just couldn't pull it off. Well, and it's interesting. So after Bottas's catastrophe you know, catastrophic first turn there. He dropped way down, and he was never. He didn't get points, right? No, he was. He wasn't no. even able to pop into the top ten. No, he got stuck he behind Danny Rick. P fifteen, I think, wasn't he? Yeah, that's what he finished. Yeah. Yep. yeah, he did steal fastest lap, which you don't get a end. point for yeah. it if, but, you, if but you're not in the top. He ten. He stole yeah. it off of Red Bull, and yeah, which saved. is huge. And now I don't know if this is a spoiler. If you were getting to this, but now Red Bull is one point down from Mercedes in the. Uh, yeah. The uh, Constructors Championship. Yeah. And so Bottas did save that tie by mm -hmm. getting that point. Yeah, that's crucial. Yeah, with what, five races to go, I think? We got four left. Four left. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, who who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm glad the Constructors is close. Max pulled away a little bit more from Lewis. Um, how many points 19, 19 points, points now. Yep. Yeah, he was 12 ahead last week or, or two weeks ago, last yeah. race, right? Um, now he's 19 ahead of Lewis gonna be exciting finish man I, i'm i'm pumped for these last yeah, four races is, i'm here for, really it. for it yep. yeah I'm, I'm curious to see um especially like in the qualify you know the qualifying rounds to see the differences between the two teams um because I, I i found it very interesting that red bull could not out qualify them in q3 i found that interesting yeah and um, they tried blaming uh, you know that final run the incident with yoki yeah and i read a little bit more about that sonoda was out there even though he had the engine penalty, he was only out there to give Gasly a toe so that Gasly could qualify well, which he did. He qualified right. P4. Yeah. So Sonoda's basically on a cooldown lap when Max and Checo come up on a flyer. Yeah. And both Ferraris lap. and both, and yeah. both and they told Mercedes him, behind them. You know, they told Sonoda, they were like, hey, they're coming up, get out of his way. So what's he do? He gets out of his way. Completely off completely the track. Completely off the track. And apparently it Kicks distracted. Up dust, kicked yeah, up exactly. crap You saw that debris. big bloom of dust. And it distracted Checo who's on a flyer, he goes off, and then he's got a cloud of dust. Yeah. And then Max comes up hot. He sees those two guys on the Doesn't runoff. Doesn't know what's yeah. happening. Yeah. Slows yeah. down. Yeah, slows down. And, and so they tried to blame Sonoda on the, uh, on how they could not qualify on the first row. But which, the truth is their times weren't there anyway. Correct. Right. I, I mean, they, they, they didn't have the pace on that particular lap. Yeah. Um, and the track all weekend long was dusty. It was, it was interesting to watch. Like even after normally if a track like the Mexican track there, it's not used all year round. So it just sits. Yeah, exactly. Um, but once they, and they're supporting races at formula two and they had another exhibition race cause there was some oil spilled at one point on the track. Yeah. It wasn't F2, but there were support races. Yeah. And so they normally, especially after like free practice one and free practice two, the tracks get pretty well cleared off. You know, you have guys driving around for an hour and the F1 cars and they're all that crap gets yeah, blown 
going off down that rubber. Um, but all the way through the end of the race on Sunday, there was dusty portions of the track. Yeah, it so, was pretty wild to see. Which like I, it makes it kind of interesting, but in that regard, I just feel like it kind of wasn't interesting. It was just annoying. Yeah, I guess it was odd to see that there was not rubber getting laid down. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to our tire discussion before you know if maybe they pick a softer compound maybe you do get more rubber laid down i don't know yeah i would think that you would and it just like you said it just never really got cleaned up you only really had that one racing line yeah and the surface not being very abrasive they were able to make the tires last yeah and you know which is annoying yeah (laughs) and then i didn't notice this but you had brought up how there were no marbles or very few marbles yeah which is like unheard of right yeah the the offline off the racing line will build up all the as the tires degrade they you know pieces are flying off yeah and they call them marbles and it almost looks like carpeting sometimes like laying on the off or like cinders yeah right But there was very, very little of that, which yeah. is odd. Yeah, I think between the track surface being a little bit smoother and then, you know, like that dust acts as a sort of dry lubricant, you know, to help the, the tires not degrade. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so that was interesting. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned Gasly, too, and I, I really thought I was glad to see that he took third place in the vote for driver of the day um, because I just – the. That guy just had a great weekend. He's been strong the last several races. I mean, it's yeah. it's good yeah. to see them up there, um, him in particular, because I, I think he did get a raw deal at, at Red Bull, just like Albon. I think it's a tough seat to fill. Um, you know, that was two years ago. I think Gasly was with Red Bull. Now it is, yeah. Um, and so that was fun to see him up there, and he maintained P4 the whole, you know, the whole day and was able to keep Ferrari at a distance. Um, yeah, so not cool. only that, he was able to pull away. Mm-hmm. So he... He had a quiet day or weekend, but he had a very solid weekend. He yeah. Did, did well. Yeah. I think he's kind of underrated. You know, he just, he's doing really Agreed. great driving and he's, he's placing high every single um, race and whether it be qualities or, you know, the end result too from the race, but he's kind of like off to the side. Like he, he doesn't get much mention. Yeah. He's flying like under the radar. He's like the silent, you know, he's just kind of like creeping in there without anyone even noticing. Which I'm sure he's fine with, you know, like I'm, yeah. I'm sure he enjoys yeah, not being in the limelight. Yeah. Um, I think I mean, the pressure with Red Bull was, was hard on him. It seemed yeah. like it was. Yeah. And poor McLaren struggled. Yeah. That just was, didn't have the pace, didn't qualify well, just couldn't, couldn't yeah. hang. We'll have to see what happens in Brazil. But yeah. I'm, I'm worried about their position now i mean they're stuck in p4 for constructors and it doesn't look like they're headed in the right direction yeah i was gonna say like the trajectory is not good they've just been falling off and i wouldn't say ferrari's getting that much better um but they have improved slightly and they're at least kind of maintaining where they're at yeah um so yeah like you said it'll be interesting to see how things turn out here down the down the wire mclaren's like 12 and a half points down from ferrari now yeah after this weekend yeah Yep. Still a lot of points to play for, but that's, it's like you said, the trajectory is kind of headed in the opposite direction of Ferrari. So, yeah, but we'll you never know. Happens. Again, every yeah. track's different. So heading to yep. Brazil, what next weekend is Brazil? Yeah. Yeah. This coming um, week. So we'll, we'll probably have another episode out next week for you guys. Um, Can as we do always, a shout out real quick? Oh, yeah, for sure. We have to do a shout out to Kendall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's our a first good, convert. Good call. Yeah. Yeah. So our good friends. Yeah. Right, Dan and Jess, they're two kids, Kendall and Grayson. Yeah, and Kendall is 
And she's in it now. So she's a swimmer. She was at a swim meet this weekend, and she was checking the qualifying times in between her races, and that's just so cool. Dan texted me. He was like, you you guys have created a monster. She's between events, and she's checking qualifying times. I was like, that is the best thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, so thanks, Kendall. (laughs) Yeah, we appreciate it. And uh, tune in next week. And again, at some point, we're going to have some guests on it. It, You know, we'll try to figure that out. We're still kind of new at this, so... um, but, you know, if you guys have questions or comments or if, if you're, you know, new to F1 and we kind of helped you discover F1, shoot us an email. Let us know. The email address is AmericanFidiots at gmail.com. That's AmericanF1DIOTS at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at AmericanFidiots and our website is AmericanFidiots.com. So if you have comments, questions, shoot us an email. And uh, as always, we appreciate you tuning in and we will see you next week. <laughs>